We continue to work our way through the Gospel of John. It's part of the whole story from Christmas to Easter. And Easter's three weeks away, Resurrection Sunday. I hope that you're excited about that. But we look this morning at John chapter 16, uh, beginning with verse 1. He said, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming that when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you will remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak truth of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me. For he will take care of what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right, let's take a look at John chapter 16. Uh, but before we do that, quick question. Uh, do you have any projects that you've started but not finished? Does that, that ever happen to you? That, that you say, you know what, here's something that I'm going to do, and then you don't do it. Or maybe even worse than that, there, there are some projects that you want to start, but because you don't know for sure that you can finish them, you're like, you know what, I'm not even going to bother getting underway. Well, I don't think you're alone in that. In fact, I've done some research, completely searched every page on the Internet, and uh, here are the top ten things that people start but don't finish. Uh, number one, you'll never guess this one, uh, diet and exercise plans. You never, that, that's a surprise. I didn't know that was going to be number one uh, when I looked at that. Uh, number two is uh, school. Uh, some folks started and said, this is what I'm going to do, and this is the degree that I'm going to get. This is the plans that I have, and then various things come and happen, and, and, and they don't finish that. Uh, cleaning out a closet or a garage anyone you know particularly with weather like this oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna really do some spring cleaning we're gonna get into this and 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 maybe you you get in there and then the phone rings and then it's over uh, you're, you're, you're not getting back in there uh, the game of risk anyone ever start a game of risk uh, seven people in the history of the world have finished the game of risk 
Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the total list, and they're not speaking to each other anymore either. Uh, scrapbooks. Uh, now, I asked Susan about this. Uh, she says, yeah, scrapbooking's not really that big of a thing anymore. No offense if you're still scrapbooking. Uh, but if scrapbooking isn't that big of a thing, it's not because everybody finished their scrapbooks. That, that, that's not the reason that it went away. People would set aside whole rooms of their house for their scrapbooking, and I, I don't know that that means that they all uh, finished. Uh, learning a new language. Uh, you know, several times I've thought, you know what, I ought to learn a new language. When I was a pastor in Eunice, I'm like, there's a lot of people who speak French here. Boy, I could really impress people if I learned some Cajun French. Well, no, nah, that didn't happen. Uh, you know, sometimes I think, well, I could brush up on my Spanish. And it's a great idea. I've even looked at some apps. I've, I've bought some flashcards a couple times, but uh, yeah, not, not happening. Um, how about a book that you keep meaning to read? Uh, in fact, you, you are so committed to reading that book, you, you've, you've bought it. Uh, you've opened it. Uh, you've even gotten a good bookmark for it. it. It's sitting next to your bedside table right now, and it's being read as much right now as it is when you're at home. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to start that. Uh, other things uh, like uh, remodeling the bathroom. Anyone in the middle of that project got that started and didn't finish? And then number nine is top ten lists. Um, things that you start, things that you start and don't uh, finish. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. Man, what I don't want to put on that list is my faith. What I don't want to put on that list is my walk with God. Where I began my relationship with Jesus Christ and I said, this is me. I, I'm, I'm signing up to be a follower of Jesus. Wherever he leads, I'll go. This is it. I've given my life to Jesus. And then, possibly, over the passage of time, there's been a slow fade. Possibly, there were some things that unfolded in life that just didn't go well, and there was a dramatic collapse of faith sometime. In fact, it would be a great tragedy if we added to that list things that I started but did not finish, and that is my commitment to Christ. In fact, I, I think that none of us would want that to be true in our life. And here's the thing, Jesus doesn't want that to be true in your life. Here in these chapters where Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples, where he is talking to them just before he is about to be arrested, tried, and executed. Before these things happen, while the disciples still don't see it coming, he is pouring out his heart and his spirit and his message uh, to these disciples. And as we open up John chapter 16 and verse 1, he says, I say all of these things to you so that you will not fall away. So that it will not be said of you, you began, you started a life of faith. You started being a follower of Christ, but then stuff happened. He says, I'm writing these, I'm saying these things to you so that none of you fall away. Now, the context of what he's saying is a couple of things. One, the, the main thing that he's telling them is, listen here, guys, we have hours left together. Now again, they thought, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus for my whole life. Wherever Jesus goes, I'm going to go. And now he has been telling them, I'm leaving and where I'm going, you cannot come with me. And he says, but in the middle of that, I do not want you to fall away. In the middle of this, he says, the world is going to hate you. But I'm saying all of these things to you so that you do not fall away. 
In fact, he expounds on that here in the beginning of chapter 16. He says, I say all of these things to you so that you do not fall away because they are going to throw you out of the synagogues and there will even come a time in which people will kill you and they will think that they are doing God a favor by killing you because you're a follower of Jesus. That's some hard stuff. But Jesus says, there is good news in the middle of all of this. And the good news is that when I leave, the Spirit of God is coming to you and will live inside of you forever. And in fact, what he says is, when that Spirit comes, he is going to equip you. He is going to fortify your faith. He is going to give you everything that you need so that you will not fall away. Dear church, I don't know where you are in your journey today. I don't know whether you are at the beginning of the journey. I don't know whether you feel like you're still climbing. I don't know whether you feel like you've stalled. I don't know whether you look back and say, ooh, it's been a slow fade. Or maybe you even look and say, man, I'm just here, but my faith collapsed some time ago. Wherever that is, wherever your journey is today, I want you to hear the words of Jesus that say, I say all of these things to you so that you do not fall away. Let's take a look at what Jesus says. He says the good news is, and this is the thing that they've been struggling with, this is the thing that he's been trying to communicate to them. Listen, the good news is that I'm leaving. And the disciples are like, how on earth can that be good news? He says, but if I don't leave, then the Spirit of God cannot come. He says, it is to your advantage that I'm leaving. Because if I don't leave, the Spirit of God does not come. In fact, in the context of this question of, I do not want you to fall away, listen to what the Spirit of God does in our life. The first thing that the Spirit of God does, the helper fortifies our faith with supernatural encouragement. The helper fortifies our faith with supernatural encouragement. What we're talking about here in this passage is every time we see the word helper, the word helper is a word here for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Now, different translations use different words. Hey, in fact, some of your translations use the word helper. Some of them use comforter. Some of them use advocate. Some of them use counselor. Those are all trying to translate the same idea from the Greek. Uh, the word in the Greek is called paraclete. Uh, I know about six different Greek words. This is one of the ones that I know, but it's, it's worth being on your list of ones that you know. The word paraclete literally means to come alongside. Now, most of the time, it would be used in the context of a courtroom. Now, here's the thing. We like a good lawyer joke, don't we? We, we may have told a good lawyer joke. We, we, we like good lawyer jokes. But here's the truth. You find yourself in a courtroom, whether whatever side of that courtroom you're on, you want someone who'll stand there right there with you. Someone who knows what they're doing. Someone who will be your advocate. Someone who will be your counselor. Someone who will be your comforter. Someone who will be your helper. Someone who will come alongside of you in that task. Jesus says, when I leave, I'm going to send to you the paraclete, the helper that will come alongside. 
Maybe you've been stuck on the side of the road sometime, and cars have been whizzing by, and you, you're not sure exactly what to do. You're, you're not sure exactly what steps you need to take, who to call, how to fix what it is, and cars just keep going by. And then one car stops and pulls over and comes alongside of you and says, I can help you change that tire. I can help you call the right person. I, I can help you take care of that overheated radiator, whatever it may be. They come alongside of you. Sometimes you spend hours and days in a hospital waiting room and it's lonely and it's hard and you don't know what the answer is going to be and you don't know what the doctor is going to come out and say and you sit in that room and and your heart and your spirit is in a complete knot and somebody comes and just sits down next to you. They don't have the answers. They don't know what the future is. They don't even have a whole lot of good stuff to talk about. But they came and they sat with you during those times. That was a paraclete. They came alongside of you. Now this is a really, really big deal because Jesus is telling these disciples the Spirit of God is going to come and be your helper, your counselor, your comforter. He's going to come alongside of you. And for the disciples, this is a huge deal because they know that the Spirit of God is real. But their experience from life before Jesus is that the Spirit of God would show up on occasion to a handful of people for a temporary amount of time. In fact, when we look in the Old Testament, that's what we see, that the Spirit of God comes upon so-and-so for a while. He comes upon Saul before he becomes king, and he has this profound experience. The Spirit of God comes upon Samson. The Spirit of God comes upon an individual for a moment, for an experience. But it is just as often that the Spirit of God is removed. And so the disciples know that the Spirit of God is real. It's a big deal, but it only happens to special people at special times for a short period of time. And now what Jesus is telling them is that same Spirit of God is going to be permanent and global for every single believer for all of their life. You see, as you work through the struggle of being a lifelong follower of Jesus, fully committed and not falling aside, one of the things that I need you to hear, that I really want you to hear, that Jesus wants you to hear this morning, is that you have a helper who lives inside of you, who will fortify your faith supernaturally from the inside out. I want you to know that Spirit of God is personal. I want you to notice when we see the rest of this passage, it says he will do this, he will do this, he will do this. The Spirit of God is not the force. It's not an aura. It's not a feeling. It's not a tingling. The Spirit of God is just as much God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is telling us is that when he leaves, that God the Spirit will come and live inside of you just like God the Father, just like God the Son, the Spirit of God in a personal way comes to live inside of you. We kind of laughed about it back in college. Um, You remember the person who gave you the tour, the admissions director that gave you the tour at college? 
and told you how great the college was and they had this and they were going to offer you this major and they had all of these things and you'd be able to stay in this dorm that just gleamed and all of those things and then when you got there on your first day of class they didn't have that major that wasn't the dorm that you stayed in and, and, and everything was very different than what they said and then you'd go look for that admissions director I don't know what happened you will never ever see that admissions director again a single time in your life the person who introduces you to the process seems like they just disappear and they're never there again one of the things that Jesus is telling you here is that the Spirit of God will be with you and he will be with you when you begin your journey and your walk with God and he will never leave you the helper fortifies your faith so that you will not fall away with supernatural encouragement from inside of the believer I would also tell you that the helper fortifies your faith fortifies our faith by revealing what only God can reveal the helper fortifies our faith by revealing what only God can reveal. As we take a look at this uh, passage, it says that when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay, what does that mean? It says that when the Spirit of God comes, He is going to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. Well, one of the things is that that word convict is another one of those words that they're trying to uh, find just the right word to match. And the idea of convict is, can be just as much to convince. It is just as much to expose, to shine a light on and say, guys, this is where it is. Here it is. And so part of the Spirit of God living inside of you is to convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now you're like, well, I don't know what good any of those things are. Well, let's just walk through them just for a moment. When the Spirit of God convicts us of sin, sin is all of the things that are wrong. They're outside of God's plan. They're outside of the boundaries of what God has for our life. They are disobedience to God. And so one of the things that the Spirit of God is going to come and do, He's going to show us these are things that are out of bounds and they're wrong. He's also going to convict us in terms of righteousness. And I love this idea of pairing sin and righteousness because righteousness is literally the opposite. Righteousness is those things that are right before God. You see, we can't just live our lives trying to run away from sin. We also have to have a sense of where we run to, and that is the rightness of God. And so the Spirit of God is going to reveal us these things are wrong, these things are right, and the Spirit of God is going to reveal judgment, how we can tell the difference between the things that are right and the things that are wrong. Now listen, that was a challenge for the disciples. That's a challenge for you and me. You, you ever had any experience just in the last seven days where you were just kind of at a crossroads? You're like, well, I'm not sure what's right. I'm not sure what's wrong. I'm not sure how to tell the difference. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. But for the disciples, as long as Jesus was there, they could watch him. And when they were trying to figure out about how they handled the Sabbath day rules and laws and how to worship and how to respond to these people and when to uh, respond with anger or not anger and all of those things, the disciples just would kind of look to Jesus and say, how, what are we supposed to do here? And they would copy Jesus. 
And now Jesus is leaving. But he says, listen, I'm leaving, but the Spirit of God will come. And that Spirit of God will reveal what is right. That Spirit of God is going to come and he's going to reveal what is wrong. He is going to reveal to you the pathway to choose between right and wrong. The Spirit of God living inside of you is going to reveal those differences. It's like being invited to a fancy, fancy dinner. You ever been invited to a fancy, fancy dinner? And, and they've got 17 pieces of silverware here and, and napkins and, and all of these things and you're not even sure which cup to drink out of and, and, and all of these things. And you're trying to figure elbows up, elbows down. What, what, what am I supposed to do in, in this place? But the thing is, is what you find is that when you go to this fancy, fancy dinner, you keep your eyes on the fanciest person that you know. <laughs> because that fancy person knows how to do this. And so when they pick that little fork all the way on, on the end and you discover that's not to pick your teeth with but that's actually to, uh, for the salad and stuff like that so you, you work your way in uh, that way but you, you watch the person who knows and so for some time now the disciples have been managing life by watching Jesus he knows and if I want to know what's right, I watch Jesus. If I want to know what's wrong, I watch Jesus. If I want to know how to choose between those two, I watch Jesus. And now Jesus says, I'm leaving. And the disciples are like, how are we going to do this? Jesus says, when the Spirit of God comes, and I won't be here anymore, He will reveal, convict, convince you about sin and rightness and of judgment. He's going to show you each and every one of those things. Now, what that means is you and I as a believer need to learn how to listen to that convicting of the Spirit. You see, we need to believe Him when He says, this is out of bounds and this is wrong. We need to believe Him when when that Spirit of God whispers and convicts our heart and says, this is the right way for your life, even if no one else agrees, even if no one else is doing that, even if no one else is following that pattern, that we believe him when he tells us those things. And when we do that, it is going to reshape our lives, and our lives will be rearranged because we are listening to the Spirit of God. But if you want to make sure that you don't fall away, the way that we do that is we listen to that spirit. Remind us, this is right, this is wrong, and this is how we choose between the two. I'll tell you one more thing here, that the spirit, the helper, fortifies our faith by continuing to teach us and to remind us the things that he's already shown us. In fact, that's what the passage says, he says, there are things that I have not told you yet because you are not ready. He, he says, I haven't told you these things because I was with you. But when I leave, then the Spirit is going to come. And He's going to remind you of all of these things. And He is going to teach you new things and show you what is to come. Sometimes when we look at a passage of Scripture, when we look at pages like this in our Bible, He's like, man, how did they remember all of those things that Jesus said? Well, part of the way they remembered all of those things that Jesus said is because the Spirit of God reminded them 
of the things they did. The Spirit of God was alive and at, and at work inside of their hearts and minds to remember those things. I want you to know that that same Spirit of God is at work inside of you, reminding you and continuing to teach you the things of God. You see, there's a lot of times in which we just kind of wave the white flag in terms of our obedience or in terms of our faith, in terms of doing ministry, because we say, oh, I, I couldn't do that. I, I don't know enough. I don't have enough information. I, I wouldn't be able to do it as well as so-and-so does it. Well, that's overlooking the fact that the Spirit of God, the living presence of God, lives inside of you. And he says, as you go, he will remind you of all the things that you have been taught. And there are some things that you haven't been taught yet because it hasn't been time. You were not ready for it. The context of your life had not come to the place where it was time to hear and to learn those things. And Jesus says, go. Because as you are going, when those moments come, that Spirit of God is going to remind you and teach you the things that you are doing. I want you to know that that is an active, continual experience in your life. He wants you to be active because he continues to teach you. All of that is the supernatural work that's happening inside of you. I say these things to you so that you do not fall away. We do not fall away because that supernatural helper is at work inside of us. That supernatural helper continues to reveal to us what is right and wrong. And that supernatural presence of God continues to teach us. So what does this mean for our lives this morning? How does this reshape uh, the week that is to come? Well, one of the things is I would just challenge you is get back on track. You see, when we began the message and we talked about the possibility of, boy, I'd hate it to be true that, that, that I started my faith but didn't finish it, I, that I had a slow fade spiritually or, the, or that there was some break inside of my life. And I think it's possible that there was somebody that was here and thought, oh, that was me. Uh, I've kind of blown it. I did start and I haven't finished. It did kind of fall apart on me. Here's my challenge to you, my invitation to you, my encouragement to you. Get back at it. Get back at it. Because Jesus has not changed his mind about you. Jesus has not removed his promises from your life. Jesus has not removed the Spirit of God from you. All of the things that were true when you began are just as true today. And you are empowered from within. And so if you're off track, if you're not where you're supposed to be, even if no one else would know, man, get back. The invitation, the pathway is right there and available to you. I would challenge you in this week to listen to that spirit, that spirit that lives inside of you, that spirit that convicts you this week and says, no, no, that's not right. That spirit that 
challenge you is no, this is the right path for you to go. This, even though it's inconvenient, even though it's difficult, even though it's going to make you stick out a little bit and it's going to be awkward, this is the rightness that I need you to live out this week. Would you listen to that spirit? Now he's speaking. It may mean that you have to turn down some other noises. It may be that just the clutter and there's just too much going on that you can't hear the Spirit of God as well as you should. It's just busyness, fullness. Or it could be that there is a competing voice that you've been listening to, that you've given authority to in your life to shape your mind and your thinking that isn't the same as the Spirit of God. Maybe that needs to be turned off so that you can truly hear that Spirit of God and lean in to that Spirit of God. One more thing that I would say. Sometimes when I talk to someone and invite them to be a follower of Jesus, one of the most common responses that, that I hear is, I, I, don't, I don't want to because I, I don't know that I can do it right. I need to get a couple things in my life squared away before I can say yes to Jesus. Well, that's the whole reason Jesus has invited you is that he wants to square those things away. But I think that there are people who don't say yes to Jesus because they are afraid that they cannot finish what they start. If I make a commitment to Jesus, what if I blow it later? What if I blow it down the road? I want you to know that that Spirit of God will never leave you, and He will empower you, and you won't walk a single day of that spiritual journey by yourself, but the living Spirit of God will live inside of you. And so when you look at it today and say, oh, I can't ever do that, that's because you're not, you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And he will empower you. There'll be some twists and turns. There'll be some hard days. There'll be some days that you drop the ball. Yeah, there will be. But he will empower you in all those days. So if the reason that you haven't said yes is because you can't guarantee your performance, man, would you drop that and let him carry you through all of that? Because he will empower you from the inside out, supernaturally, giving you what it takes to be his follower. Let's stand and let's respond. Michael will be down front. I'll be down front. If we can help you respond and say yes to Jesus, if we can pray for a specific request, if we can encourage you, then we want to do that. Michael's down front and I am too.